I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And it's here again. It's smartphone season. Like it ever ends. I, I feel like it hasn't. <laughs> I feel like we've just been going from smartphone to smartphone for the last year. Uh, but we're back again. We have... Well, we were confident, incredibly confident, we were going to be talking about Samsung phones today, which we're going to. We weren't so confident, did, I don't even think it crossed our minds, that we would also be talking about the next Pixel, but we will be talking about that later on. But there's something so much more important than smartphones that we've got to talk what? about today. The most important thing. Something more important than smartphones, Mike? What, whatever could that be? Everybody here at the Test Drivers, me, uh, would like to <laughs> congratulate the Austin Evans family. Papa Austin and as, is an hour thing. Congratulations to you and your wonderful wife on the birth of your first child. Uh, Thank I'm you. So, Thank I'm you so, much. so pleased for you all. I'm, I've look, it's been a fun couple of weeks. It's also been really fun to kind of like sort of schedule because obviously babies just decide to show up whenever. Mm-hmm. So like we've been kind of constantly talking about like, okay, how are we going to like, you know, record the, the podcast and shoot everything around. Thankfully, everything has been really smooth and um, yeah, it's fun. The, the test driver's audience now has one more future host. So yep. Give them Is like that how 15? it works? You're gonna, yeah. I guess you can plan this now, right? Like eventually yep. you'll hand down the empire to your son. Yep. Wow. Exactly, exactly. So 20 years from now, look forward to me being finally replaced. <laughs> just so, like that's me just... and your son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, Mike. There we go. That's the long term. That's the, the long game on this one. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my wife made a recommendation that I keep pushing on Austin, and now I'm going to say it oh, on the no. show. Oh, at no. some Here we point go. before the end of the year, just because it's going to get busy now, but we'll see. Uh, I want I want a test driver's episode about baby technology, like <laughs> like you know like the monitors and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, you know I, I'm sure that you have got some technology in your life now, and it will probably expand over the next few months as needs change. So I think it would be I would be uh, really intrigued just because I know from some of my other tech focused friends that this stuff is mostly terrible. So, oh my God! Right, so yes. there you go. See, yes. there you go. It's yes. already fallen into place. So at some point in the near future, I want to test drivers on baby technology. Test driving a baby? Hmm. That that that, that title might need a punch up round. Is Sorry, baby we'll... worth it? That's what you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> Is sleeping two hours a night worth it? <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Uh, been more regular news. You've been teasing this for a while, and you finally did it. Uh, you did a OnePlus video. Ooh, boy, did I make a OnePlus video? You did. Uh, okay, so yeah, so this has been something that we talked about. I feel like a couple of times at this point, and it's it's something that's been kind of on my mind a lot, which is. OnePlus had this great reputation among the enthusiast community, right? I mean, how many episodes have we done talking about every new OnePlus, mm-hmm. you know, have headphones and phone and rumors and all this kind of stuff. But especially this year, there's been a lot of stuff that has come to light that has just really bothered me when it comes to OnePlus, right? So if you haven't seen the video, I can kind of summarize it fairly quickly. There have been a few major things. So OnePlus had always had like some issues when it came to like their marketing, like, you know, Never settle. And, you know, when they first started out, it was so much focused on the idea of the invite system. And, I mean, it was really sort of that, like, hype factory that is sort of much more common now, but was much less so back in, like, 2015 or whenever the the OnePlus One came out. But then they've kind of overstepped in a lot of ways. Like, you know, they always ship these great, like, high-end flagship, you know, like, processors and all this kind of stuff. But then sometimes they're like cheating on benchmarks, right? Like they've been caught doing that multiple times mm-hmm. in the past, whether it's seeding reviewers with like sort of souped up units or just literally having like a whitelist for uh, like benchmarks and cranking the CPU to 110%, which it could never sustain any other way other than a Geekbench run to make you feel better about your super cool OnePlus phone, right? And you made like a really good point on in the video about like, it's, I mean, it's a combination of one, they're not big enough as a company, so it doesn't go like mainstream as an issue. Yep. Like if if 
because you, you know you brought up the thing that Apple was doing, which they were roasted over, which wasn't as bad, right? Like it was the bat, it was like battery saving for older phones, where OnePlus would had been doing this kind of stuff for brand new top of the line phones oh. that they were selling, right? And also, like the, I think that they had had built had built up enough cachet with the mm. crowd, right? That like. People love them so much that all it did was just take a chip out every time. But now we're kind of in this spot where they've lost the luster, I think. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll say part of the motivation for finally making this video was a little bit of guilt on my part as well. I think I've been just as guilty as most of us in the tech community of hyping up these phones, right? Which, look, I mean... It's easy to kind of fall into that kind of mentality when, you know, the audience is hyped about something, you think it's cool, and it's easy to kind of look over some of the flaws, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get or whatever. Oh, yeah, they cheated a little bit, this, that, whatever. Uh, to me, that was always one of those things where it's just like, look, this is like the foam for the people who are in the know, right? I mean, no average consumer knew what a OnePlus was. Most people still don't know what a OnePlus was. But if you knew, you knew you were in the kind of the club, right? And the audience was always super excited, like, oh, what's the new OnePlus and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it was the thing to, to be if you didn't want to be a Square and use like a Samsung or an iPhone, right? But the problem is I think we all, and I'm mostly speaking on like behalf of the tech community, I feel like we've all given them way too much of a pass for this stuff. And especially the last year or so, I think it's really come to a head, right? So not only was there the whole sort of like, breakdown of the the leadership and you know obviously nothing was kind of formed from that as they kind of started splitting off and then you see all this stuff about how like it was super nebulous from the very beginning what OnePlus was and and who owned OnePlus like it, especially when I was like doing the research for this video like there was always this talk about like BBK as like kind of like the the big sort of umbrella company and you know it was it was like almost like kind of a poorly kept secret in the space that OnePlus was sort of under that umbrella but as I started looking into it, like the amount of, uh, I don't want to be too harsh, but the amount of basically straight up lying on the behalf of some of the people throughout the years at OnePlus to like make it seem like, oh, that's not the case at all. And, you know, like we're independent. It really became apparent to me as I did more research that like it, there was a lot of like sort of closer inspection on like what was actually going on here. And look, I don't want to make it seem like it's some horrible crime to have a parent company. I don't want to, I mean, it's, it's fine to share, you know, a, an assembly line and, you know, share some chargers and some parts with Oppo or whatever the case is. But the way that they had kind of run the company from the beginning was so much based on that hype that I don't think there was a real incentive to take a closer look at what was going on and how these things were actually really being made. Like, one of the bigger shocks to me was just how similar a lot of the OnePlus phones had been over the years, right? Again, it's like, mm. yeah, sure. To, to Oppo and stuff like that, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there was just a lot of things that kind of started stacking up the more I looked into it. But the big things were really just that now they are and they're brand new, like OnePlus 9 and 9 Pro. They are straight throttling the phones, right? Like they have a blacklist built into Oxygen OS that if it sees you running a wide a variety of modern apps like, oh, I don't know, Chrome or the launcher, it essentially nerfs the high performance cores, giving you the performance of like a 2016 phone. Right. And this is because of what they they don't have the battery, battery. capability to yep. to let you run a, a regular app at full speed. Yeah, because I mean OnePlus are always trying to push the limit on the the specs, right? Which is great, and that's part of the reason why enthusiasts have embraced OnePlus, right? You know, they want to give you the high frame rate, high resolution, high power display with all the bells and whistles on the memory and on the SOC and all this kind of stuff. But I I think with this generation, they push too far. They did not have the kind of battery life that someone like Samsung were able to get with their fastly larger R&D department, probably more efficient screens, et cetera, et cetera. So instead of compromising one way or another, they throttled the phone. They did essentially the Band-Aid and they you know, removed a massive amount of performance. And the thing was, no one knew about this, right? Like no one caught it because on the service, you, know, you run Geekbench or whatever, your normal kind of performance testing things it all shows up fine, right? 100% exactly where you would expect for a device like this. But in Chrome or in regular apps, oh, it's maybe a little slow, but you, you, you don't really notice it, right? You don't expect, you know, if, if something feels weird, you benchmark it, you try to do whatever testing you can. And if that comes back fine, why would you question it, right? I mean, oh, maybe, I don't know. 
or whatever. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There's a million things that could cause problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a non-tech are the ones who really sort of broke it open and they realized that if you switch to a different browser or even you like rename like Chrome to like Chrome underscore two or whatever, they, they have a couple of ways that they sort of get around these kind of whitelists. Suddenly the performance massively increases compared to what you had with the apps that are being like sort of blacklisted. Right. So it's like stuff like that, stuff like, you know, just personally, a lot of the people I know at OnePlus over the last year have left. Like most of the people I know at OnePlus have left the company over the last year. And then there's these leaked memos about how like OnePlus has been pretty much entirely absorbed by Oppo. Even like Oxygen OS, it's not going away, but it's really being sort of merged with Oppo's Color OS. So a lot of the clean like, you know, the camera app, a lot of the stuff that I think people generally like about OnePlus phones is just being sort of, like, merged down to the lowest yep. common denominator. It's just a lot of stuff that all kind of hit at once. And I I don't know, man. Like, it, it, it's not a video I wanted to make. I, it, it feels almost like I'm burning a bridge with OnePlus in a way. Like, who knows if I ever get another, like, OnePlus device to review. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that, mm-hmm. right? I've not heard a word from anyone on the OnePlus side. No one said, hey, we like your video, we hate your video, nothing. Like, Complete silence, right? But to me, it was just like one of those things where like the more I thought about it, the more I just kind of felt kind of complicit in a way of like, I feel like I have contributed to helping to build the hype of this company. And when things start getting a little rough, when things start getting a little bit suspicious and some of these things that were just not feeling right were coming to light, I feel like most people have ignored it. I think most people have taken a blind eye to it or... To be fair, people like Dave have done like some videos talking a bits mm-hmm. of, about like bits and pieces. But to me, it was like, you know what? I just want to make this video. I just want to talk about yeah. the full story the way I see it and, you know, let it be what it is. So, yeah, not, not an ex- I feel like I'm like an investigative journalist doing an expose. There's nothing like that. No, you're kind of just putting a full stop on something, right? Like, so here's my question for you then. Um, what is the what is the there is a phone brand that's kind of taken this excitement space of of OnePlus. They were one of the ones that did really well, I think, in MKBHD's camera review. Do you know which one? Is this ringing a bell for you? Everybody Ooh. had all of the tech YouTubers had one, and it was like a meme for a while. And the they had, Poco phone, Poco phone, yeah. So <laughs> Poco phone, they <laughs> feel like it's similar to OnePlus in that like. I feel like the larger community are really excited about them and always want to know what's going on with the next Pocophone and all that kind of stuff to a point which it kind of felt somewhat similar to how OnePlus has been in the past. Yeah. So would you now like change the way that you would cover something like a Pocophone because like it, not not saying that they're up to the same stuff but that yeah. you could be contributing to something that ultimately you're not looking to do? Yes. Yes, 100%. I think... With the benefit of hindsight, it is clear that there's no such thing as a free lunch in the space, right? At this point, there is no magic company who can walk in and make a smartphone that's just as powerful for half the price, right? Like, that just, that's not possible. So, if you do see a great deal on, like, a, you know, a new Pocophone or a OnePlus or whatever, the reason that it is such a great deal is that there is, very much universally, a large company who's willing to fund it behind the scenes, Right, so Poco is a great example of a company who has major backing on the uh, on the back end. You know, it's a, a new brand that they had set up, and that first phone was an incredible deal for the price. But I guarantee you, they weren't making money on that. They were trying to establish the brand, which they absolutely did, and then their subsequent phones were no longer as big of a hit. Right, it's it's the same sort of mentality in a lot of ways as like a console. Right, you know, Sony is going to sell you a PS5 at below what it cost them to make at the beginning to get you hooked on the PlayStation, to buy a bunch of PlayStation games, et cetera, et cetera. And then three, four, five years down the line, they'll get the prices down. But at that point, it doesn't matter. You've already been sort of invested in the ecosystem. The thing is, though, on a smartphone, there's not that kind of brand loyalty. So the way to do it would be to get people excited about your brand, to sell a phone that that you're not going to make money on, that sort of gets a bunch of splashy headlines, that a bunch of tech reviewers love. And then over the years, you kind of bump it up back to where, you know, a reasonable place is. To me, that's the playbook, right? That's exactly what OnePlus did. It took a lot longer, I think, for them to really kind of settle, if you'll excuse the phrase. Uh, but, But I think that's the way it has to be. Because there's no, like, in those early days, it felt like there was potential for, you know, disruption and this and that. But 
it's way too established at this point, right? Samsung makes a phone every $20 in price from like $100 to, you know, $1,500 or whatever, right? Like uh, there are way too many options out here that fill every possible niche for, in my opinion, a company to hop in, say, hey, look, we have this magical new device and we're the hype monsters and let's go, right? Like, I just don't think that's really feasible. And it feels like a disservice to talk to the audience and get them excited about something to buy into the marketing. When in reality, I mean, sure, if a Poco phone comes out and it's a great deal, awesome, buy that phone. But don't buy into the brand that they're 100% trying to almost manipulate you into being a part of. It's, I don't know, it, it feels like some of the the magic has been gone. Like, I mm-hmm. feel almost kind of jaded of like, oh, there's all a bunch of capitalist companies who want to take your money. Like, of course, that's what companies do. But I think there's a difference between building a brand and making great products and, you know, and killing it on the sort of iteration and, and improvement of a, of a product versus coming out with a bunch of hype, coming out with a phone which is not sustainably priced that, you know, they're going to have a generation or two and then they kind of get you hooked and then they crank up the prices or remove features or whatever. And to me, it's just like, ah, I, I can't get down with that anymore. I can't get down with that anymore. I, I feel like I've seen through the smoke and mirrors at this point. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So now as we lead up to September and throughout the entire month for our third consecutive year, Relay FM is going to be supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, finding cures and saving children. Child Cancer Awareness Month is an opportunity for us to come together in the fight against childhood cancer. Because of generous supporters, St. Jude can share its knowledge freely and exchange ideas openly, inspiring more collaboration between doctors and researchers worldwide. And as a result, there are more life-saving treatments for children everywhere. St. Jude creates more clinical trials for cancer than any other children's hospital and turns laboratory discoveries into life-saving treatments that benefit patients. In fact, St. Jude was the first children's hospital to make a major investment in pediatric cancer genome sequencing, which resulted in groundbreaking discoveries in several childhood cancers. Before this project, not even one pediatric cancer genome had been sequenced. Generous individuals like you make groundbreaking research at St. Jude possible. This September, you can join Relay FM's efforts to raise the funds and awareness needed to treat and defeat childhood cancer. Donate at stjude.org slash relay today. Uh, this year, any donor making a single gift of $100 or more can, uh, will be able to receive an exclusive Relay FM sticker of thanks pack at the end of the campaign. Let's cure childhood cancer together. Flippy phone time. Let's flip this conversation to a, a positive, shall we? They done did it. Flippy <laughs> phones. Oh, man. What are we going to look? Can we just take a moment and just mm-hmm. realize that now that things, these things are official, that we have about six weeks until we can start talking about the Z Flip 4 for the next year of shows? Like, I'm just, <laughs> everyone just be ready, okay? We got to uh-huh. be on brand here. If we're yeah. not talking about how we enjoy our current Flippy Boys, we got to talk about the, the future ones. So, everyone just get ready. Think about what you want for the Z Flip 4. We'll do a whole episode on it. It'll be great. But for now, we actually have brand new phones finally. Brand finally. new finally. phones. Z Fold <sighs> 3. Z Flip 3. Uh, I, when I was watching the presentation, I was thinking to myself, I know if I was doing this, I would get them mixed up. <laughs> I, I'll say, I still, from time to time, want to say fold instead of flip or vice versa. It still, it still trips me out a little bit. I will say, though, at first, like, you know, because we've known for a while that they would be kind of going like Z Flip, Z Flip 5G, Z Flip 3. And then, you know, last year they did the Galaxy Fold to Z Fold 2 and stuff. It started to kind of gel in my brain now a little bit, like Z Fold 3, Z Flip 3. Like, it feels a little bit more cohesive, I'll say. But, uh, look, I'm really excited. I don't think it's going to be any surprise to any of the test drivers audience that uh, this, these, are, these, are, these are probably some of the most hyped devices, at least for me this year. I don't know how you feel about your 17 pre-orders of all the Galaxy Flip and folds and no, every no, color, I, right? I, I feel I, I've been super into it. Um, what I think my main takeaway, and we'll dig into them both in a, a bit. My main takeaway is I think they did more for these than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like nothing has dramatically changed. They haven't done like a full redesign, right? Like they are, um, they, especially the, the Z Flip has a 
stronger design change, but they're yeah. very much like, okay, the, you can see the continuation of these from device to device, but there are lots of little details, and in some cases, quite big details, of things that they have been able to pull off with these, especially this is on the Z Fold, that I would not have expected yet. So, yeah. you know, waterproofing is one of them. Yo, how great is that, though? Like, really? I can't believe that they've that they've pulled that off. I, so, like, everyone said this, you know it by now, it's waterproof, not dustproof. Uh, but mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. waterproofing one of these, like, it's a big deal. Like, uh, water, a waterproof phone is table stakes at this point, right? Like, if you're buying yeah. an expensive smartphone, you expect it to be waterproof. Well, these $2,000 smartphones weren't, and now they mm-hmm. are. That's a big step. And there's an excellent Verge write-up that uh, I'm sure we'll have in the show notes. Mm-hmm. That basically, they talked to some of the Samsung engineers to kind of understand what they did. Because, you know, like you said, every slab smartphone that, you know, costs more than a few hundred dollars has some level of water resistance, right? Which makes sense. You know, if you're building a normal slab phone, you seal it up, you throw glue and tape everywhere that you think water might come in, done deal, right? I might be slightly oversimplifying, but it's something that has been well established at this point. With a folding device, you have so many potential points for entry, right? And you have to, you can't just seal the whole thing up. You know, you have to have cables and all kinds of stuff that goes between the panels. You have to have these very complex hinges. It has to physically move still. You can't completely seal it or it won't open anymore. Right? Exactly. Well, right? <laughs> so, I mean, sure, if you look through that Verge article, I mean, yeah, they absolutely just used a bunch more like, you know, glue and tape. But they also designed like things like an epoxy that would seal around the ribbons. And, you know, part of it is like they've designed part of the mechanism to get wet. Like, you know what? It's just going to get wet if you get it submerged it's fine right which is super impressive and i think a very good step among a bunch of the other things that they've announced here at moving these folding phones outside of the enthusiast hardcore test drivers audience to a much more mainstream consumer which i I think we all kind of expected that you know this is the way samsung is going to go but i think this year they've really proven to me at least They've really proven that we're ready for these things to be mainstream now. Like, it's not a 2024, 2025 thing. It's not like, oh, you know, we're working toward it. Like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we might be on our second or third generation of these things. But, like, Samsung really feel like they're very confidently placing their flag in the ground that folding phones, at least on the the high-end flagship side, are absolutely their future and really their big differentiator over pretty much everyone else on the market right now. The flip, I would say, more than the fold... You know, the Z Flip 3 now starts at 999. It has 128 gigabytes of storage. Mm-hmm. That one, and also just in general, everything about the Z Flip helps it sit more of like, hey, it's a phone like you're used to, but you can fold it in half, and put yeah. it in your pocket, put it in your bag very easily. And it's also super stylish and, you know, is a bit of a head turner. Mm-hmm. That feels much more mainstream. The fold, I'm still, I love what they're doing with it. I think it's really interesting. Um, it was, you know, I have the original one. Like I was, you know, very, I very much see the future of this kind of device. Mm-hmm. I still think that that there's work to do to make that more mainstream. I mean, it still starts at eighteen hundred dollars. Um, Which is that they're still slightly better. It's, yeah, they, they, so like they are getting the price down and getting the quality up, which is what you yeah. have to do, right? With these mm-hmm. types of devices, it's how this stuff works. You can't, um, you can't only focus on one of those for for a device like this, or it's never going to work. But I think that there's still there's still stuff that has to be done. I think to prove mass market desire for. Uh, that that kind of device, but I, th- I think it can get yeah. there. But there's just more that needs to be done still. Yeah, there are some good upgrades though. Yeah, on the Z Fold. I know I'm sure we're going to spend the vast majority of our episode talking about why we love Z Flip and stuff. But of I course. do think the Fold is worth a conversation because, yeah, at first glance, you know, the Fold essentially this is the the first you know real third generation of the Fold, whereas we're really on the second generation of the Flip, right? Yeah. So when you looked at the first Galaxy Fold to the Z Fold two. That was a big upgrade, right? On a lot of ways, it was a huge upgrade, which means that Z Fold 3, I feel like, does feel a little bit more of a sm- more minor sort of tweak. But, you know, they've got the, the new camera design. Um, just like with the Flip, they've kind of refined the overall hardware. So it's, you know, it's a little bit thinner. It's got the 120 hertz on the outer display. 
And across both the Z Flip and the Z Fold, they have supposedly more durable displays. So I know they had brought out ultra-thin glass before. This almost seems like kind of an upgraded version of that. They were talking, especially on the Z Fold 3, because it has that S Pen support. They've, like, redone, like, the layering of the display. So you have, like, you know, like, the digitizer. You have the actual panel. And I believe the Z Fold 3 actually, uh, it has, like, a new generation of OLED that Samsung were talking about. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff that they've done that's improved the phone. But on the surface, it really is a, a refined Z Fold 2, whereas the Z Flip feels like it is a much more mm-hmm. significant change compared to that, you know, first generation, generation and a half of devices. Yeah, so like, you know, the outer screen got 120 hertz, which is Great. a good pickup. Um, we mentioned the waterproofing. There were some surprises, though. S Pen support, I I was really surprised. I felt like we were many years away from that, but that's because they have made the... Is, I think they refer to it as the screen protector, 80% more durable, which I think is what sits on top of the glass, yeah. right? Because they still have those multiple layers. But they, you know, as we've seen over time, they have made that screen protector clearly more a part of the phone than the original, mm-hmm. where it looked like it would just peel off. Uh, you do have to have the right kind of S Pen. They have a standard one with a soft tip or a new Pro Pen that you put into a fold mode. But again, like, look, I it always felt like this this device was crying out for the S Pen. But considering yeah. fingernails could dent it, it seemed impossible, like on or like a long way off. So mm-hmm. I tip my hat to them at least having a solution. I think that this is, I, I keep hearing people say like, oh, you know, it's not included. So the fold still got a life in it. I don't think, the, I think that the, uh, the, the fold, the uh, note, right? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. I think that for me, this is just like just another nail in the note's coffin. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. that another note is coming. And I think especially now they're just like making this more a thing for the future. Um, yeah. The under display selfie camera is a move. Okay, I'm really curious because I feel like uh, people usually come down on one of two really strong sides here. I think a lot of people have been a little negative on it. Where do you come on this? Like, is this a good move? Do you think that this was a mistake? Like, how do you feel about the under display selfie camera? I mean, the camera is trash, right? <laughs> the camera is bad, <laughs> right? Like, all yes. of the pictures I've seen of it and the videos I've seen of it is bad. But it probably is possible for what you would realistically use that for, you know, like maybe the occasional video call or whatever. What I like about this feature is this is Samsung doing what Samsung does. And I think (laughs) Samsung do not get enough credit for some of the things that they do. Yeah, yeah. Samsung push technology in smartphones before people are asking for it, right? They have a history Mm -hmm. of this. The original note, right? Coining the phablet phrase, uh, foldables in general, and now this kind of technology. It's like they do this stuff before anybody else because somebody has to. Yeah. Like if, 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 all, if the iPhone in the future is going to get one and the S25 is going to get one or whatever, it has to be done to make the tech work, to make the tech affordable so they can learn on it. So someone has to put it in a phone scale. Like I know that there are these companies, like what's the company that did this and they've just got, just released another one and they sent out some units to... Uh, was it on the Axon? I, that sounds I about right. That sounds about right. Let me find out. I can go to YouTube because I just saw that like a bunch of YouTubers that I follow had one a couple of days ago. ZTE Axon, that is it. You were right. Right. Like they did it and they just came out with a new one. But like these aren't at scale. Like even even I'm sure they don't sell as many as a Z Fold. And that's like probably one of Samsung's (laughs) lower selling smartphones, you know, just because of the price and stuff. So I think someone's got to do it and they've got to do it at scale and they've got to do it right. And I think Samsung, I mean, look, one of the reasons Samsung does this is because for some of this technology, they then get to sell it. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and. And there's a lot of rumors. So, uh, you know, obviously Samsung has a lot invested in not only like the hinges and a lot of the tech, but importantly on the displays, right? Mm -hmm. Samsung has a massive display arm of the company who, you know, they make panels for a lot of devices, including, oh, I don't know, like iPhones and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to imagine, and there have been a lot of rumors that kind of point to this, that Samsung are going to start selling these foldable displays to other companies, which 
Yeah, which, you know, the more that they can build out this tech, of course they're going to put it on a Samsung device first, and they're going to get kind of all the glory, but then they're going to sell it to, you know, uh, Sony for their folding phone, or the Pixel folding phone, or who knows, maybe the folding iPhone in 2027 or whatever. So there's a lot of advantage for them. I guess my thought on the under-display selfie, I, I, I agree. I totally agree. I think it's one of those things where, no, it's not perfect. No, it's not amazing. But I think... For 99% of the time when you're using the phone, you're not using the selfie camera, or at least you're not using the inner selfie camera. So if that can kind of blend in a little bit, that's great to kind of give you that more cohesive screen. While yes, it's not great for regular selfies, it's fine for a video call. This was the perfect phone for them to test this on. Because you have another selfie camera on the you front have, side. You, another, you have a good one, right? If you're yeah. going to take a selfie, you would use the front one. They couldn't put this on any of the standard phones. Exactly, exactly. Like, the, the Z Fold is a weird one because it's like, okay, you have, if you've opened up the phone, right, you have the under display camera, which, you know, disappears or like mostly disappears. Sure. You close the phone up and the front display has a actual hole punch, which is a perfectly reasonable. And then if that's not enough, you open the phone up with the rear facing cameras facing you. And then you have the three cameras that can also face you, right? Yep. And you still get the thing. Obviously, that's a little bit less comfortable to use. You got a lot of cameras. You have plenty of options. I think for a video call, you're not going to have a problem with the Z Fold. And if you do, uh, just use one of the other 17 cameras on the thing. You'll you'll be fine. Yeah, you could just open it up to the back and use the camera on the back and look at yourself on the screen on the front if you need a good quality video call. Exactly. Exactly. I think they made the right move, uh, and also it allows for the you know the inside screen to be a full square and not have the cut out and not have a hole punch mm. or anything like that. So I think they made the right choice with that. Uh, some interesting software tweaks. They have like a permanent dock and more tablet-like UI on the uh, unfolded screen, which I think is fantastic. Like make it supposed to be a tablet, make it more like a tablet. Starts at 1800. That's the Z4 All right, Z time. So Z Flip. Let's, I'll run through a few things that they did, and then we can talk about it. 120 hertz display on the inside. Yes. Larger cover display from 1.1 to 1.9 inches. It now has widgets, notification management stuff, and you can put other little information there, which is great. It also is IPX8. It has a 30% stronger screen protector. And it has a, I think, pretty heavily refreshed design. What do you think of the mm -hmm. new design? Dude, I, I get straight pixel vibes from this, right? Like yeah, very much so. Especially you get like the white and black, the colorway. It reminds me of the the Panda Pixel. I think it was mm -hmm. the, was it the 2XL or something? Like, I look, I am clearly massively biased. Mm -hmm. But I really think that the Z Flip has seen a major glow up this year, right? Yeah, so uh, you, you look at the, the design, right? Like, I love my Z Flip. I use my Z Flip every day, right? Um, but there's certainly, uh, this feels like a 1.0 design. Like, there are minor things that bother me. There are medium things that bother me. Like when you when I look at the design of the Z Flip in my hand, sure, the Z Flip 3 still has that little crease down the middle of the uh, the display. I think all folding phones for a while are going to have this just because you literally can't, mm -hmm. like something's got to move. When you have a folding display, you have to have a little give and take because otherwise you're just going to rip the screen, right? So mm -hmm. I get that. That's still there. But what they have done on the Z Flip 3 is significantly shrink down like the bezels of the phone. Because right now on the Z Flip, there's like a pretty sizable little like kind of almost like bumper that goes around yeah. the display. You've got those little caps on where the actual fold of the panel is. It's fine, but it's not the, the nicest thing. It almost kind of feels like you've got a case on your phone like that kind of like comes around with the lip. That's not gone here, but it's been significantly brought down. I also think the fact that, you know, you've got that larger cover display Look, I'll admit that the cover display on the Z Flip, I know people love to dunk on it. I mean, I still use it to take like selfies and stuff and not much more than that. Well, I guess maybe I'll check like battery or whatever, but like mm -hmm. it's not terrible to me, but having more use on that. But to me, I actually think one of the bigger upgrades for the, the Z Flip is actually going to be on the screen. 120 hertz is great. Look, I'm fully happy with 120 hertz. Uh, this is the year where all my iPhone minis and Z Flips and everything, I feel like I'm finally going to go flip completely over to 120 hertz but it's also much brighter now and um look i don't know how much of a problem it is mm. i don't know how much of a problem it is uh in uh in you know where you live the sunniest place on earth but um I dare you. this is unnecessary to dunk on me look, just like this I, i'm just saying i'm just saying if you happen to go outside on a sunny day uh -huh. the z flip screen 
feels like a five-year-old smartphone in which you really need to be in the shade or you're going to have very little readability, right? Yeah. It just, it, you can't see that well uh, when you're outside, which is fine when you always consider this thing is brand new and foldable, blah, blah. But guess what? That's no longer an issue with the Z Flip 3. You're getting, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but a far brighter display, much more in line with the kind of flagships that you expect, which to me is almost going to be one of the number one like usability things because uh, I don't know if you've... Uh, you're aware, but um, California tends to be pretty sunny 350 days a year. <laughs> so being able to use my phone outside uh, with a little bit more readability will be a very nice improvement for me. Oh, I meant to say, by the way, I didn't tell you, I've seen both of these. So I went to a Samsung oh, no. store and they just had oh, them no. in the Samsung store. Like I haven't, I haven't seen or touched them in person. And yet. so I've used the Z Flip <laughs> Three, and I will say my immediate impression is that the 120 hertz display makes a massive difference to the way the phone feels to use. Ah, uh, yeah, I can believe that. Especially, I think, I think it's like because it's so tall, it's like a very <laughs> scrolly phone anyway. Like you know, like yeah. it's, it's like it, and so I think it really benefits from having that kind of smoothness to it. Um, and I also said the way it feels in the hand is really nice, like, and just looks really mm -hmm. good because it doesn't really, I don't really think it shows very well in a lot of their images, but they flattened out the sides a little bit. Like, it's got yeah, like a yeah. rounded to the edge, but like the actual aluminum around the sides is a bit more flat, which I really like. I would have honestly loved to see them go full on iPhone flat on mm -hmm. the edges, but I can take this this in the middle. Uh, and the colors are really interesting too. They've got like a bunch of colors. They are definitely continuing to position the Z Flip as a fashion forward phone, which I yeah. I think is a good idea. They have these wild new cases, which I'm bummed <laughs> that I missed out on. Have you seen the silicone one with oh the strap God. on it? It's God, super dude. sold out right now, but I this this is a fascinating it's a silicone case with this large like elasticated kind of strap on the back it's very like hype beastie but it gives you oh, somewhere yeah. to hold the phone like and then they've got another one that has like a key ring on it like i don't know they're doing some weird stuff that i appreciate so okay i want that case yes I, I i will freely admit i ignored that case until about seven seconds ago when you started describing i'm like oh yeah that is cool now i'm looking i'm like oh yeah i kind of want one and it's super out of stock like i can't <laughs> you can't get it uh so I don't know how it is for you, but I I've noticed there's been a massive amount of marketing that Samsung has been pushing behind these devices. And it does still feel like the flip is getting more of the hype than the fold, which I mean, I guess makes sense, right? You know, I mean, the flip is half the price. It's much more of a mainstream device. But like I'm seeing ads on TV, on Reddit, on YouTube, everywhere I go, Samsung are absolutely blasting this Z Flip. Which is great because yep. there are some really good deals to be had on this. So I guess we'll we'll spoil. I mean, obviously, I pre-ordered one. Mm -hmm. um, I actually pre-ordered two. So I, you know, day one. Well, no, 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 no. no. Why pre-order one when I can pre-order no, no. two? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't actually have two active pre-orders, right? So, you know, uh, literally, I'm watching the event on my Z Flip because I got to stay on brand. Hashtag Z Flip gang. I was mm -hmm. watching the event. And as soon as the pre-orders went up, you know, I jumped on the Samsung site. I pre-ordered a, I think I pre-ordered a black one because that one was going to come first. And it comes, I think uh, the initial pre-order deal, I don't know if it's still live, it was like, you can upgrade to the 256 gigs of storage either for free or for $50. You also get $200 of, or yeah, wait, no, $100 of Samsung like accessory credit. So I've got like a charger and like one of the, the cases or whatever. Um, and so I pre-order it, go for it, it's fine. But now a bunch of carriers are coming out with some pretty compelling deals, including what I actually ended up doing was I swapped my black, I canceled my original black pre-order, and I ordered over with Google Fi a green Z Flip, which is, it's only 128 which is the only downside, but it comes with a $400 bill credit that is just automatically Whoa. applied after you get the phone. So, I mean, no trade-in, no contract, nothing, literally just... Buying it, you have to have like, you know, a, a Fi plan, but I already use Fi anyway. Um, and boom, $400 in free bill credits, you know, like a month or whatever after you buy the phone. To me, I was like instant, like no brainer. Plus I wanted the green one and Samsung doesn't sell the green one. So that was also an incentive. Um, but yes, I am very excited, but also the Fi order is shipping like a little later. So mm. uh, full disclosure, 
the, uh, the Z Flip is scheduled to be delivered the day we record our next episode. Amazing. So uh, we're going to be right up against the wire on this one. <laughs> so I ordered one. Of course you did, yes. Because, and I'm going to trade in my old one. That's a smart move. How much are they giving you for the old one? I think they gave me 400 Okay. But as it stands right now, I have absolutely no idea how the trade-in is working. They haven't told me. Did you order it directly from Samsung? Yeah. So, uh, not to spoil things for a future episode of Mystery Tech that I definitely was already spoiled on, um, but Ken is trading our Z Fold 2 in for Z Fold 3, and uh, he... <laughs> He traded, he maxed out. So they would give you like $900 on a Z Fold 2. He Whoa. maxed out and traded like five phones in and got the Z Fold 3 for free, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, he was going through the list. He's like, wait, they keep letting me add stuff. He's like, oh, what about this one? What about this one? I got $450 <laughs> a pound okay. off mine, which I think is pretty great for an OG Z Flip. How much, uh, wait, how, many, how much is in pounds does the Z Flip cost? 999 for the 256. What? Oh, for 256. Okay, that's yeah. a little bit better. I was about to say, the, oh, this whole like dollars and pounds being equal thing, we got to cut this out. That's, yeah, that's not cool. we also have a 20% sales tax, so. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, fair. Which is all baked yeah. into prices here. It's not added afterwards. Okay, fair. So yeah, we have, okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so with the Z Flip, basically uh, the way it works, at least as far as I understand, is that you know they ship you the phone. I think you actually have some time to ship your phone or phones back for the uh, for the trade in. So you might just be able to swap your SIM and do everything, and then ship it back when you're done with it. Yeah, I mean, it's like I ordered it. They just they, I have not had any kind of communication from Samsung telling me how any of it works. It's just like <laughs> ordered, and it's like, when do you do you ever want the phone back? How do you want the phone back? Like I don't know. I guess we'll find out later on. My assumption was always that like. I'd kind of pay full price and then, or like I pay what, I don't know. We'll find out what happens. You discount you or know. something? Uh, or mine refund. is due to ship on August 27th. Oh, so see. I will oh. probably have my Z Flip before you, which is very fun for me. Uh, I'll send you a bunch <laughs> of pictures. <laughs> wow! <laughs> see, I wow. went for the lavender. The lavender is not my favorite oh. color. I actually prefer pretty much all of the colors to the lavender one. The reason <laughs> I went for the lavender is I kind of feel like I'm keeping OG. Okay. Because the, yeah, my yeah. original Z Flip was the purple. And mm -hmm. I, when we were looking at these in the store, I was with my wife, Adina, and she said to me, these aren't as good as the original one. And I do agree with her. I, I think that these look really nice, but that yeah. rainbow wild finish, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to miss that. I am firmly a believer that if you use a folding phone, uh, I will always want some kind of skin on it. Not for durability, but because when you put your hand in your pocket and you pull it out. So what I have, I have two different uh types of D brand on mm -hmm. mine. So I have a smooth on the front and more of a texture one on the back. So by feel, when I pull my phone out of my pocket, I know I'm not trying to flip it out like upside down. So my plan is I've already ordered a couple of uh, skins. I'm going to use a texture skin on the bottom and nothing on the top. But I'll say I ordered the phone, then I went on the D brand site, started doing the configurator. And I realized that almost every skin looks bad on the green because there's so much green on it. So I, I, I might need one of those flippy cases. I, I don't know. I want, the, I want the, the case with the strap on it, but I don't yeah. know how long that's going to take. I, <laughs> I put my email address into Samsung's website, and I guess I'll see, but I just think that it looks really cool. Like, I'm a pop socket person on my iPhone, and this mm -hmm. would suffice with that. I haven't decided if, like, I, I think that the Z Flip should be a case or no case phone. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure. I feel like it doesn't need it. But also, mm. I, I just, to me, I really just care about, I pull the phone out of my pocket upside down. Even with the skin, I do it sometimes. But I remember before I had the skin, I would do it more often than not. I would pull it out upside down. So it, it's it's nice. Can I also just say one thing? You actually, mm -hmm. you, you very kindly pointed this out in the doc. There's more hype for Z Flip than Z Fold. Big time. I, so I went to look today... Uh, MKBHD, he did video, right, of each, which is actually very useful that Marquez does this because then you can yeah. do these comparisons. As of time of recording, the Z Fold 3 video had 2.5 million views. The Z Flip 3 video has 4 million views. The Z Flip gang is growing. The ground swelling movement we have been <laughs> spearheading on this show 
is growing big time. Look, we were the weirdos. We were the outcasts. We were the the shunned non-believers of the world for our our love and our adoration of the Z Flip. But our years of torment and toil and ridicule for using these stupid folding phones that no one likes. Well, guess what? It all comes back around uh, now, no. doesn't it? Now who's laughing? We're just laughing in our flippy. We're just I've like- I've had some friends of mine that have been like really critical, you know, of my love for this stuff. Uh, one of the reasons this entire podcast existed for me is like <laughs> one of the reasons I really wanted to do this is no one would talk about folding phones with me. <laughs> so like, and then Austin was like, I will. Brilliant, let's do it. Uh, and so, but like I've had people say to me like, oh, I can see this now. Like I, th- yep. I think that for some reason Samsung this year have just made just enough tweaks, just enough improvements, and also because they're sticking with it that I think people are starting to come around. And genuinely, I think the waterproofing is the thing that's done it for people. Yeah, there's just a lot of like it's a lot of good upgrades this yep. year, right? Yep. Like just solid. Yes, there's sm- still small things that I would like, or I mean, I would say. The biggest thing is still the camera, which is the same, unfortunately. That's like my big sort of downside. But pretty much everything else on this phone has been improved between durability, waterproofing, design, performance, screen, brightness, resolution, or not resolution, but uh, frame rate. There's a lot of stuff there. Battery life and camera are really the only big question marks for me. Mm -hmm. But when you look at 999, I mean, that's what the base Galaxy S20, Mm -hmm. that's what that phone cost last year when it first came out, right? Like, this is what they used to charge for their base, like, S line, right? you got to imagine we're in a different world now where they're not going to charge you $1,000 for a regular slab phone when they've got a folding phone that serves much the same purpose, right? Like, it's not the same kind of thing where last year, you know, the Z Flip was $1,400 or whatever, and it was this really niche kind of thing. This is now Samsung's main flagship. I think they're going to continue to promote it. I think they're going to continue to push it out there. And if you think about it from Samsung's perspective, how much sense does this make? Not only are they promoting a technology that they're going to sell with these folding phones and folding displays to other manufacturers, but what, like, how long have people criticized Samsung for making, like, oh, it's, a, it's like an iPhone, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Z Flip is nothing like an iPhone. No one's Apple making this. Apple can't touch this. No one's yeah. making this. Motorola tried, and it was trash. <laughs> no it was one, trash. No one could come near them. They made one error, though, for me. Ooh, okay. They have made one, I think, pretty big flaw or one big error for the Z Flip. They didn't change the camera. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think this is. I think that will bite them. Those cameras are like two generations old now. Yeah, it's essentially the same cameras from like the Galaxy S10e from like oh god, yeah, is it 2018, 2019? They were it's, already old when the Z Flip came out. Yep, and now they're a year older. Yeah, I don't think I, it, it. I don't look. They're not bad. They're not bad <sighs> cameras, but they do not hold up against similar class phones. Yep. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at the Z Flip that can really replace and do it all, it's good enough. I mean, it was it was almost good enough in most areas last year. Now it's good enough in basically all areas except the camera, where I would say it is, which it is, is one of the most important things. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, look, 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 all I hear right now, Mike, all I hear mm-hmm. are the beginnings of the rumors for the Z Flip 4. Z Flip 4 with better cameras or Z Flip 3.5 in like six months <laughs> with new no, no, cameras. No. It actually will be probably Z Flip 5 because no one likes to name anything 4. So it will actually just legitimately, it'll probably just like lean into the meme and just be like, oh, it's the Z Flip 5 and just pretend that the four never existed i I can actually see that happening z flip 5 5g no it'll be 6g by then mike how dare you how dare i (laughs) this episode of the test drivers is brought to you by roboism a podcast by alex cox and kathy campbell that explores how artificial intelligence machine learning and digital assistance are affecting our culture You can explore the humanity behind the bots that are quickly becoming a part of our everyday life at relay.fm slash roboism, or you can search roboism wherever you get your podcasts. Out of nowhere, Google Pixel 6. And not only just Pixel 6, 
they like this is not available for sale to be very clear but like they've got it on the google store page they like have like videos and like they just tweeted everything out like oh it's coming out ah, a few months or whatever a full but hey. unveiling except for one thing no youtubers could show it right like that is the only difference like they've had people go and see it but no one can show it outside of that they've basically launched the entire phone and it looks interesting okay i like the fact that it looks different okay uh-huh. i also think it's kind of ugly <laughs> i don't know i i like i feel like this is a phone that is so much more polarizing on the look side, right? Mm-hmm. Than almost anything I can imagine in recent times. And let's just not forget, I mean, the Pixels have been kind of weird in the past, right? I mean, was it the Pixel 4 that had that horrible, like, like giant, like, chins and everything? And the Pixel 3 XL, I think, had, like, the mega notch. Like, they've done weird stuff. I, but this one, Mike, help me out, okay? I can't It's weird. Decide. I like it, though. Okay, okay, you like it. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little concerned about, I mean, obviously, you know, Pixels, uh, they're finally upgrading the cameras this year. Cameras are a huge component of it. They've got a big camera bump, which, I mean, aesthetically, I think, looks unique. It's certainly like someone pulls a Pixel out and go, what the hell is that? It looks like a tricorder from Star Trek. The only reason I like it is because they two-toned it above and below the big, like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call it, the camera bump. It needs some kind of Mega name. notch. Mega, mega bump. No, it's not a notch, is no. it really? It's like mega bump. But the the phones where that's less prominent, I like it less. So I'm more into the color ones. Like they got a red one, a yellow one, and a blue one that look really good. I, I don't know off the top of my head what they're breaking it down between the two models, right? Because you've got the regular Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro, and they will have different different color options to them. <sighs> Should I give some specs? Yeah, yeah. Let's do specs. By the end of the episode, I'll I'll come down on it. Oh, all the good colors are on the regular one. That's annoying. So the blue yeah. and, and green one and the red and pink one, they're only in the reg- regular Pixel 6. And the Pro is like the silver one, the black one, and the weird pale yellow one. So the Pro is is getting a bit shafted on the colors, I think. But The Pro is too big, though. Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, Google is saying they will be premium priced. Sure. Pixel 6 Pro has a 6.7-inch QHD Plus display at 120 hertz with a triple camera array with a wide-angle lens, ultra-wide, and a four-times optical telephoto periscope lens, I think. Uh, The Pixel 6 has a 6.4 FHD Plus, so Quad HD and Full HD between them, 6.4 FHD Plus display at 90 hertz with two cameras, no telephone telephoto lens it's just the wide and the ultra wide i don't think the size difference is is really that much 6.4 to 6.7 um doesn't seem like a huge difference to to be two different phones to me i don't know though well i mean they're leaning into a few things because they're both powered by a lot of the same underlying technology like the tensor chip which i'm sure we'll talk about but yeah i to me look I, i will freely admit i am again a little bit biased I liked the Pixel 5 for a lot of reasons. I know it was not a high-end device, right? Like, it was $700, which wasn't cheap. It wasn't, like, massively expensive. And it didn't have, like, flagship-level specs. But I loved that design. There's a, a mention, I think it was in the Verge article, talking about, you know, when they had interviewed, like, Rick and talking about, you know, the, the Pixel 6 and stuff. They kind of mentioned how, like, oh, you know, like, we don't really usually do flagship design and, you know, we're doing it this year. I kind of disagree. I think that, the Pixel team have actually done a lot of sort of unique designs, whether it's like the plastic stuff on like the Pixel 3a and whatnot, or the Pixel 5, which had that super cool like sort of, I guess it was like aluminum, but it had like that kind of like almost rubberized texture. Plus, I liked the size of the Pixel 5. So like, I'm definitely coming from like, I feel like they're underselling what they've done in the past that sure, it might not look super flashy. It's history, man. Yeah, I kind of think so. They're like trying to make this thing look good. But look, if you just sort of black out the camera bump pretend that's not there forget about that little stripe of color this is a really generic looking phone they've got like the curved edges and all this kind of stuff like cool yeah uh, don't take away what it's got though right because you you know what you're saying is take away the interesting part of the design and it's a boring design yeah yeah i know I, i know where you're coming from but like 
I don't, I don't know, man. I'm I'm really like I'm stuck on this. I don't I don't know. I I mean, so what I'll say is I can t- I can see why they've launched it the way that they have because I think that maybe maybe this isn't enough if you just show it off on, like in a in an yeah. event. But maybe they they were able to grab more attention because of the weird way that they've done things. It's really going to come down to this chip and oh boy. So they're ma- okay. So they're like okay. They are quote unquote making their own chip. It's called the Tensor Chip, which I also think is a bad name. No, they already sell Tensor stuff. I like, know Tensor is a brand TensorFlow name. TensorFlow <laughs> is the name of their um, their enterprise uh, server chips, right? And machine learning and like uh, for me as a consumer, Tensor doesn't work for me. Like, yeah. you know, I think Apple, uh, they do this too, but I think they, they do do a slightly better job of it, but they still do it of like, consumers don't care about machine learning. Mm-hmm. I don't care about machine learning. Like, you have to kind of show me why machine learning is good for me, telling me this, oh, your phone's really good at machine learning. Like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't, that is not, sexy or like interesting to me in any way like oh your phone is very good at learning stuff great because i feel like <laughs> i have to make it do a lot of things um so i i didn't know this like but i watched a really great dave 2d video about this because i'd kind of the way i'd seen it or the way at least i had taken it is like oh they're just doing what apple does right like apple has the a14 and the m1 like google is designing and making their own chip but it's not as simple as that. It's kind of like somewhere in the middle between what Apple does and what Google was doing before. So before Google would go to a company like Qualcomm and say, let me buy the Snapdragon, whatever, and then we'll make it work for us. But this mm-hmm. time they're working with Samsung and what Samsung will allow them to do, because Samsung is also a foundry. They have their own foundry. So they had the Exynos chips come from, which they put... Uh, in every Samsung phone outside of North America, I think. I think everywhere else gets Exynos. Is that right? It's just North America, Snapdragon, Qualcomm, and everywhere else is Exynos? Mostly. There are a couple of the markets, I think China comes to mind, that they also use the Snapdragons. It also depends on, like, some of the lower-end devices, they go with different processors. But I would say, generally speaking, Samsung mostly use their own chips when they can, yeah. So Google are working in partnership with Samsung to create something customized from them, but it's still based on Samsung's technology. So, you know, maybe this is, I'm trying to think of like another way to describe it, but that's the, it's like the way I see it is kind of, it's close to what Apple's doing, but not exactly uh, because Google have a hand in it. So they're able to kind of make it uh, more attuned to what they're looking for. But Apple is still the, the the king of that full integration, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though Samsung make the Exynos chips, they balance, they base them off what the the Snapdragon chips could do for them, which is really weird, right? Yeah, like, you know, like it's such a strange thing. Like they 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 cannot like whether they can or not, but like they can't really do much for the Exynos chip that is different to what the Snapdragon chip would do for them. And actually, in yeah. a lot of instances, it ends up being worse, which is. Like a whole other thing. Um, yeah. So in theory, in theory for Google, this is better than using something off the shelf, right? Um, but like I know, at least when I was thinking about this and talking to people that are not as heavily focused on this, it was kind of like, oh, this is a new age for Google. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to start selling this chip themselves. I don't actually think they could do any of that because really it's not their chip. Maybe this is step one though, right? Like, oh, it absolutely is. Well, okay, so there, there's a lot to unpack here. Haha, <laughs> galaxy unpacked. Hey, um, the thing is, so this is not wildly different than the way that Apple got into the game, right? You look it's at the very first, similar to how they started, yes, for exactly. sure. Exactly. The A4 was, you know, a quote unquote Apple design chip, and there was some stuff that was unique, but they were really just taking bits and pieces of, you know, off the shelf designs and putting it together. Mm-hmm. Which is why the A4. Four was the first branded one. Yep. You know, the first three chips before that, they were using this kind of method working with TSMC and stuff. But it was really the A6 
that was, I would say, the first real okay. true fruits of the labor because that was the first time they had their first fully custom CPU core. Right. Okay. They had a lot more performance, and especially the A7 when they went with the iPhone 5S up to 64-bit blew everyone away. So mm-hmm. just keep in mind, you know, this is uh, Google's first try. Apple took a few years really to hit their stride with this kind of stuff. The best way to think about from a chip manufacturing perspective is think about like Legos, right? So a SOC, a system on a chip, consists of a lot of individual components, right? So you've got your CPU cores, you've got your GPU, you've got your your neural processing, you know, machine learning kind of element. You have your compute element for the camera, whether that's on GPU, whether that's on the neural or whatever the case is. You have your memory controller. There are a lot of individual bits and pieces, right? Typically, if you're a Qualcomm or if you're Samsung, you take designs that come from ARM, who designed the architecture, you know, in general, like they'll give you the blueprints. They'll give you like, hey, here's what it takes to make one of these cores. Here's what you do to put them together, blah, blah, blah. Then you take that, you design the entire blueprint of the chip and you send it off to a foundry to actually make it. Typically, that is TSMC, who makes all the iPhone chips. They make um, the vast majority of the Qualcomm chips, although Samsung makes some of those. Uh, But also, Samsung can do the same thing. They're one of the very few foundries that are left that can actually manufacture these very, very dense chips, right? What Google seemed to have done is essentially gone to Samsung and say, hey, look, we want to make our own chip. We want to brand it as our own chip, blah, blah, blah. And they have some stuff. Like you said, in the data center, they have a lot of knowledge when it comes to the machine learning side of things. They've already made some custom sort of little uh, periphery chips that have been added to their phones, like the Google like Pixel, uh, the Visual Core, as well as their little Titan M security chip. Those are just extra little chips that they've put onto the phone. But what they've basically done is they've gone to Samsung and say, hey, look, we want to make our own custom chip. We have some components. We have some of those sort of, you know, Lego pieces that we can put into the blueprint that then you can sort of bake together and ship off and actually manufacture, right? So there are a few different stages that it takes to make this stuff. My strong expectation is that they are using fairly off-the-shelf Samsung designs, that they have added some of their own sort of special sauce to a couple of the components, and then they've like sort of packaged it up in whatever way that Google wants, so whether it's a mm-hmm. six-core design or an eight-core design or 10 or whatever the case is, whether it's, you know, it's two plus two plus four, whether it's three plus one plus four, whatever like the core configuration is. They can basically just say, hey, look, here's our, you know, our menu of options that you can take to make a chip and then you kind of go from there. I don't think this is going to be a revolutionary big step forward. I, I really don't. I think it's not going to be anywhere near what you get on like an M1 or an A14. Or, it's going to be problematic for them. It could be because Samsung have in the past been, like you said, behind, right? So their manufacturing capabilities, the way to actually make these chips has been typically speaking a half step to a full step behind TSMC, right? So the efficiency and the performance, not quite there just on a manufacturing level. 12 steps behind Intel. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's a whole other subject. Did you say they're doing GPUs now, Intel? They they have like a whole GPU brand now? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole, man, there's a whole like chunk of an episode on that. Eventually we're going to have to talk about that. (laughs) But the other thing is, this, I think, long-term could be a good move. This chip, I would say, is probably going to be ballpark where a Snapdragon AAA is, probably a little worse. That's that kind of like my priors. But go forward a couple years as Google design more and more of the chip. Also consider that Samsung has a partnership with AMD. So next year, you should actually see like RDNA, like console, maybe not full spec, but at least this uh, kind of the core architecture from like the console and the the CPU, uh, the PC GPUs onto mobile chips, right? So, you know, next year when, you know, Google's talking with Samsung and they're looking through their, you know, their menu of different parts, oh, guess what? They can just pull an AMD GPU off the shelf, drop it in their chip, and you would assume that's going to give them a big performance boost and have better compatibility with games and stuff. I think it's a good move long-term. I just think that the way they've marketed it in this sort of initial, very limited sort of, you know, announcement is they've only shown the most important, you know, best, you know, performance things that they can to put their best foot forward. And they've not mentioned any of the more traditional, like, we're 20,000% faster with 2% the power use, all the kind of stuff that Apple can do because they can crush everyone by any metric, no matter how you measure it. That was a lot of chip talk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a little carried away there. No, well, the chip talk. I mean, the chip talk is the thing, right? Because that's what Google's pushing on. They've they clearly want everyone to be talking about it. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think as to what that ends up doing for them, it's early to tell. 
do you think Google's going to be able to make this whole thing work? <sighs> I don't know, man. man. It's tough. They, they need yeah. to put the money in, which apparently they are going to. All the reports are suggesting that they are going to be putting marketing money in. Yeah. But I don't really know what you can hope to achieve now. It's their best shot in the last few years. I think yeah. Pixel 4, Pixel 5 are kind of weak. I think they do well with the, the Pixel we the 3A and the 4A. mentioned, which is important, is they have finally upgraded the hardware of the cameras. They're using 50 new sensors. Megapixel. Could be a big yeah. difference for them. Could put them back at the top of the camera game. I, I will be disappointed, in all honesty, if they are not on top of the game here. They've been using that same sensor and lens for so many years and gotten great results out of it, but they've sort of fallen behind in a lot of ways. Now that they've got fresh hardware, they've got the full trifecta of ultra-wide, wide telephoto, 4X telephoto at that. They've got all the hardware they need, and we know that they can make excellent software and really, especially with all the extra performance from the Tensor chip and blah, blah, blah. If they don't have A-plus image quality, I think the Pixel's in trouble. Like, that really is, especially with that camera bump. You can't walk in, show a camera bump like that, <laughs> you cannot make the camera bump a design element of your phone and then not have great cameras inside of it. So, like, uh, for me, I still think there's a limited, like, I don't think we're ever going to see, or at least for the, you know, next several years, we're not going to see Pixel sell anywhere near the kind of levels that, you know, like Samsung phones sell. Especially because if you actually look, uh, Dave actually, I feel like we're talking about Dave in every episode. Mm -hmm. Dave, uh, in his Pixel video, he mentioned, um, I didn't actually pick this up, that they're actually being a little limited on the countries that they're selling the Pixel. And most yep. notably, the Pixel 6 doesn't seem like it's launching in India, which seems like a big miss to me. That, I, okay, I mean, so I had a question on this because that stuck out to me when you said it. If this is a high-end phone, is that the sure. case? Because my understanding is like a lot of manufacturers try and bring the cost down a little bit in India or bring out separate models in India to try and actually hit the numbers that they want. I know that there are certainly, I think there's also tariffs of like uh, a lot of manufacturers try to build in India because it significantly reduces yep. the price. Uh, it could be a thing where they just don't have the the marketing and the channels. Uh, I don't actually know how many pixels they've sold uh, there in the past, but it still does feel like the Pixel 3A, 4A, and I'm sure the 5A soon, that seems like the mass market phone that makes a lot of sense. They, they sell tons and tons and tons of. The Pixel 6, I think, looks like it's a little bit closer to that like Android flagship status that they've kind of been missing the last couple of years. So mm. I'm excited to see it. I don't have massively high expectations for them to sell a billion of these things. And I, I, I got to see it in person. I'm still a little skeptical on the design and the feel of that huge camera bump. It could be great, but also I liked that Pixel 5 a lot. I liked the design. I liked a lot about that phone. And I'm happy that they can go up market and upgrade the cameras. And, you know, there, there are things I think they're doing that are smart. But also, uh, man, it almost feels like we're on the, we're at the dawn of a new era of, you know, Samsung leaning into folding phones, everything like that. And Google are finally like, hey, hey, we're going to make a good folding, flat phone, flat phone. We, we got it. Oh, wait, wait, you guys doing folding? What? Folding? What? No, no, no. We, we did flat finally. What are you well, doing? Well, here's my question for you. That was that rumor about a folding pixel. Mm. Could they maybe be holding something in their back pockets? Look, man, if you drop a surprise folding pixel on me at that event in like October or November, whenever it is. Then we're listening. I'm, I'm out here for it. <laughs> you know the test drivers are out here for a folding pixel, which uh, I guess in a lot of ways, the Z Flip is kind of like a folding pixel, especially in the look side. But regardless, regardless. Yeah, I would be super amped about that. I just, the Pixel 6 doesn't excite me, I guess, in the same way. That, well, obviously, it's a Z Flip, but mm -hmm. uh, we'll see. We'll see. If the cameras are amazing and the hardware does feel good, I think it'll be a solid base hit. But it's not a massively exciting thing, especially, I think, because I have pretty low expectations for that Tensor chip. I don't think it's going to be game-changing. I think it's going to be fine. If I'm wrong, I would love to be wrong. But my expectations for Pixel 6 are... It'll be a good upgrade, and it'll be a solid device for the enthusiasts who used to buy OnePlus phones. <clears throat> Sorry, was that? Did I say that out loud? <clears throat> Sorry, just, I got to clear my throat here. <clears> throat> 